Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie Kazmier. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. All right, what do you have? Okay, I have a double a double whammy here. Okay. This is listener email and advice on advice. Yay! So if you would like to interact with us, please email us at heyyouknowit at gmail.com. We do not save your address. We don't give it to anybody. We give you full anonymity. And also, I'm going to do the double header. Advice on advice is a segment where we find advice on the internet that stinks. And it's unqualified. And we improve upon it by giving our stellar advice on advice, hence hashtag advice That's on right. advice. Mm-hmm. So who is this from? Okay, this is from listener Michael F. Oh, I was hoping it would be Michael F. It would yeah. not be an episode without some weird advice on advice from Michael, Michael F. F. Michael Shout F. out to great. you. Okay, so Michael F. writes, Hey, Jaquetta and Katie. Hey. Haven't emailed in a while because I moved to Chicago, got a new job, and some other life shit. Yeah. All right. All right. Good Congrats. For you. Good for yes. you. Uh, mixing things up and making yeah. steps, that's great. Yeah. And then um, also finding time to send us some advice. Yes, but I figure I'm settled in enough that I can send an email for a segment, especially since in moving you have, you all have stealthily been a source of sanity and comedy. Wow. Oh, oh thank thanks you. very much. And I'm glad we could be with you during the move. Yeah. I'm glad hopefully you're settled in nicely in Chi-Town. Yes. Uh, got some advice on advice. I bet you do. Say, Wife cheating and she ain't sad. Also... Okay. <laughs> title is that what he said and he said no this is no this is he's writing this okay and he also writes also i don't know what a stoic is so if you guys can research that because i'm not going to haha <laughs> <laughs> a stoic i think yeah. a stoic is someone who's just very tight-lipped right? a, sto- a stoic um because this is from a blog where it's like the stoic sage or something like yeah that. So he's like so i say like someone who is a stoic is a person who is if you have a stoic personality it's like you don't act out on your emotions. You yeah. have emotions and you feel things yeah. for sure. But you but keep you it to yourself. You kind of keep it to yourself and you kind of go on and yeah. you don't let the emotions deter you from yeah. from anything and you don't complain a lot. Yeah. You're, you're a you, personality. You know, you're very staid. Yes. Right. And so there, it's also a, um, a branch of philosophy started by Socrates. Yeah. And there's a whole a ton of philosophers who, um, who practice Stoicism. Stoicism. Yeah. Stoicism. Where it's like the kind of feeling that you, again, don't get too excited yeah. <laughs> about anything. And you just keep it real. Keep, keep it, it real. rolling. Yeah. yeah. So. Keep it to yourself. Stoicism. Stoicism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so glad that yeah. we, we boiled that down for you. Okay. So um, he says... And then he sends us another one about a lady getting cheated on, and then she gets revenge. Huh? Revenge. But it's bananas. Oh. So if we can, we'll okay. save that one for another time. Yeah. Um, he says, it's a twofer. Hope, hope all is well with you. Love the show. Um, and he has had, he mentioned a couple of other things that we can't say on the show. Okay. But congratulations, congratulations from us. And we wish you well. Yeah. Okay. So we shall go to that advice on advice so, stoic advice. My wife cheated on me. Now what? Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So <laughs> Your wife cheated on you. Okay. So, I have recently learned that my wife committed adultery, and I'm having trouble figuring out how to proceed. Mm-hmm. I've With... been married for 15 years. She's 40. I'm 35. Wow. Wow. So, okay. 20. I married young. Yeah. 
and we have four beautiful children that we love very much. Three years ago, my wife sort of had an existential crisis. She started questioning whether it makes sense to be a couple for a full lifetime nowadays. Yeah. I mean, it's hard when you get married young. Yeah. She also and wondered, when we live to be 100. Yeah. She also wondered whether monogamy actually worked. Mm-hmm. Suffice, yeah, a lot of women are questioning that now. Yeah. Suffice for, to say <laughs> that in a less than a stoic way, I, I told her that if she had these problems concerning marriage, she should consult a psychologist. Okay. I still regret not suggesting couple therapy, but since I was happy on my end, I jumped to the conclusion that she must get help figuring yeah, it out. Yeah, because you know what? It doesn't take two <laughs> yeah. to make a thing go right. And what she required to be happy. Um, it came to the point where she wanted no more physical affection on my part, and she started getting back in touch with uh, her an old boyfriend. How did he find out about this? This greatly perturbed me. I'm because- calling Craig. <laughs> Screw this. Get off me. <laughs> like, Really? This greatly perturbed me okay. because she used to be happy to stay home with me and the kids. Eventually, after seeing a psychologist a handful of times, she came back to me and told me all was resolved and she had just been lost and we could resume our marriage as it was before. Mm-hmm. She also told me she wanted another child. We Play had, ball. We had three at the moment. Okay. <laughs> we had three. Play ball. <laughs> After a bit of back and forth, I eventually relented, We, uh, which I do not regret since I love my children very much. You have to say that. Yeah. Well, she That was, last one, though, for almost everybody is a mistake. Yeah. That's like... Don't yeah, get greedy. Don't, that's not your Band-Aid kid. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. While she was pregnant, things started going badly again. A few months after giving birth to our daughter, she began hanging out with her ex-boyfriend again. Craig again, huh? <laughs> I started snooping on her, which, of course, I'm not proud, but I wanted some answers, which I felt she was not giving me. Why snoop? That, you know? You know what's going on. Yeah. Like, doesn't it just make it worse? After having found messages I found inappropriate to her ex-boyfriend, I confronted her mm-hmm. only for um, the tables being turned on me and being told it was not okay to look into her things. Oh, Okay. Sure. That I should trust her and that I was horrible for having looked into her private conversation. But he found, like, legitimate evidence yeah. that she was stepping out. Then she proceeded to lock me out of her phone and emails. Mm-hmm. Well, after some more time, a friend of mine once again woke me to the issues with my marriage, which I brought to my wife's attention, which made... <laughs> That's much <laughs> she's, she's fucking some other guy. <laughs> she wasn't happy. And, Get that and kid. She didn't want to be with me anymore. Swab that kid. Yeah, we could <laughs> co-parent the kids but not be lovers okay. anymore. Why does she want to have the extra kid? During that phase, I tried very hard to be a better husband. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then he started denying everything, telling me I shouldn't trust her. I'm I'm very confused about this. So the wife has twice had an affair, at least that we know of, mm-hmm. with Craig, this ex-boyfriend. They had another kid, and she was like, I want to co-parent. That, to me, sounds like yeah, I need thing. To, it's, it's over. She has right? shown, she's, yeah, she says she kissed him, but nothing more. Yeah, right. Um, we all know how Craig do. Yeah, since He's then, she killer. has showed very li- little remorse. She has apologized by rationalizing to me that things weren't going well you anyway. Say, I'm sorry you found out that I screwed Craig. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> I was, wish you didn't know. It's completely not her fault what she did. Yeah, I fell on it. <laughs> <laughs> After great reflection, I understood how she may ha- have tired of me. Wow. Mm. Wow. I have no ambition outside of my children and living in my, sim- my simple life. Well, there you go. On my end, I try to make her happy, to ensuring her ambitions were met. 
like having four kids, getting married, and buying a house. But once all that was done, suddenly she wasn't happy anymore. Now I'm stuck not being able to answer questions like, should I stay or go? Should this I give her bizarre. another chance again? Should I trust her? What would a stoic what, what, what would a stoic, stoic do? do? Nothing. A <laughs> <laughs> stoic would do nothing. Wow. You know what? Wow. Well, he's already saying like he has no ambition. Yeah. I mean, the first mistake I think was not doing the therapy as a as a yeah. team. Yeah. Because regardless of what's going on, both people need to be communicative about it. Yeah. So having one person in a relationship go and talk to a, mm-hmm. a stranger, even though they're, you know, someone who's qualified, mm-hmm. is not really a substitute for you having a conversation mm-hmm. with your partner. Right. You know? So I think that's where he first went wrong. And then he couldn't figure out that she was getting bored. So the the, uh, the idea about having that next kid... Usually people do that when things aren't going well, mm-hmm. and they think that that, as you said, a band-aid, like, it will cement their relationship. Mm-hmm. But, you know, why would it? Mm-hmm. Three kids didn't work. <laughs> why would a fourth kid yeah, work? I know, I know. And it sounds like he doesn't do anything. He mentioned earlier that he just stays at home a lot. Yeah, well, he works. Well, he doesn't really have any other ambitions besides, like, is he a house outside husband? of my children and living a simple life. So it sounds like it sounds he might like be a works. house husband. It could be, but yeah, but it says he says a simple life. So that means not a lot of money. I don't know. It sounds like she's out doing okay. Yeah, it sounds like she's the the. So they have the house. Yeah, the kids. She works. Um, they have the kids. I don't know. I'm, this sounds like a house husband to me. It sounds like it, but it's not yeah. confirmed. Yeah, it's not confirmed. But whatever it is, he's he's the more domestic. Yeah, of the two. And just like, okay, you want this? That's fine. You yeah. can have it. And but nothing more. Not like I hey. think he's underestimating because so he gave the list of things that he thinks that she wants. Mm-hmm. But I think he's underestimating what this person really wants, mm-hmm. and they have clearly haven't had any communication yeah. about it. And she doesn't seem to care in it. She doesn't respect him anymore. Yeah. She's just like... Get out of my phone. Yeah. I'm trying to sext. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Like she doesn't care because she's not really losing anything. Yeah. Because you're a co-parent. Yeah. Yeah, you're co-parenting. I mean, like, what is is there to lose? Like, she's not having fun with this guy. Yeah. He's just taking care of the kid, taking care Mm -hmm. of the... the Filling in all of the check... Like, he Mm -hmm. sounds like uh, he's allowing her to check off the things. Yeah. Right? All right, so what the advice is. So, wow, this one's a complicated situation. It will require much practical wisdom for you to disentangle it. Mm -hmm. He sounds like someone who's going to get stuck with four kids. There aren't going to be any easy answers. Reading your letter, which was longer and more detailed than (laughs) Than it should have been. Yeah. (laughs) Bullet points. Three themes clearly emerge, and I suggest you focus your attention on them. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, your children. Okay. Her innocent bystanders um, to your wife, you and your wife. <laughs> to the tragedy you know, of your relationship. They ought to be your priority regardless of any other consideration. And that in turn requires you to exercise the virtues of justice towards them mm-hmm. and courage to make difficult and unpleasant situation decisions um, to prioritize their welfare. Yeah. Well, this is why I don't have children right there. Yes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like, because no matter what happens... You have to prioritize their welfare and try to make their lives uh, pleasant despite your fuck-up. Yeah. Right? Fuck-ups. Yeah. 
Second, your wife seems to be going through a midlife crisis. This is pretty normal, and so is her behavior. Um, really? As distressing as it is from this perspective. Here, of course... I don't know about that. <laughs> I have to disagree with that. I know many people who are... Women who are in relationships who have had what people would term a midlife crisis, and it has not resulted in this. Yeah. Right? There are a lot of different ways to deal with Some people run a marathon. Mm-hmm. Right? Some people... Quit their job and then try something completely different. Get a car. Like, you know, or they they do extreme things, but it doesn't always result in cheating. Yeah. And then there's some people who are not having midlife crisis who just like to spread it about. Yeah. A book is harder to open. Yeah. Right? (laughs) It is. It gets complicated when it it comes to, like, cheating. Yeah. I don't know if you can put it on midlife crisis, though. Right. Your wife, according to your description, has been ungrateful, arrogant, and deceitful. But she has done these things because her lack of wisdom. B. Okay. Uh, or the word translated above as ignorance. <laughs> lack wow. of wisdom. All right. So she needs to be pitied and helped, not condemned. Really? I, she yeah, seems. You, what the, I think some of the stuff that she's doing is just is mean. Yeah. You know, get but, out of my this phone. This is coming from now a Stoic's perspective, which is just like uh, you have to take a step back from yeah. it and not let your emotions. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, this is I forgot. This is a Stoic. Okay. Yeah. So and yes. Um, step back and have a look at it. You should not allow yourself to be negative, negatively affected, as difficult as that may be. Precisely because you are trying to develop stoic compassion for the failures of others, mm-hmm. beginning with the people closest to you. Okay, this is the thing. Like you, it's like look, people are gonna are not gonna be perfect, yeah. and they're gonna have failings, and this yeah. is not a great one. No, but, but this is twice that she's done this yeah. to him. It's from the letter, right? So Craig has appeared twice in my narrative. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like with a stoic's way of handling things. Imagine yourself on the on a beach. That's how I see myself as a stoic. I, no, seriously, when you say stoic, I think of like either a cave or no, like a, a, a deserted you know island. You, you know when you stand at the edge of an ocean and the waves, like you go in and the waves hit you mm-hmm. and they, they get to a point, like they hit you a little bit mm-hmm. and then you get to a point where it, they hit you and they really can knock you over. Yeah. And then you go out a little further and the waves are just like a bump. Okay. That's where so the you, stoic is. Like you still, they're past that wave. Yeah. The, right. Like you don't allow the waves to knock you down. You know that they're there. Yeah. But you get yourself emotionally, like you're participating, mm-hmm. but you're like, okay, I see this wave, and so I'm going to deal with I'm it. I'm going to deal being, with it by getting past it. Yeah. yeah. That's how I do when I surf. <laughs> then I just stay out there because it's too hard to get past the wave. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll just hang out out here on the board. I go back on and the beach. watch everybody else. <laughs> and when, when I'm done, I'll let myself surf in. Right, right. So that's the kind of thing that he's trying to say, hey, you know, just deal with let the Let it flow over yeah. you. Uh, I think that your initial suggestion for your wife to see a therapist was on the mark. She clearly does need some help. And a few sessions aren't going to do it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing, too. I didn't say that, but the wife went a couple times or claimed she went a couple times. She might have gone over to Dr. Craig. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing and is, it's like, I'm cured? Because therapy takes time. Yeah. A few sessions. And also, now there's a trust issue. And that's what he's saying here. This is the third theme, your lack of trust in her. Mm-hmm. Perhaps she does not deserve your trust. By doesn't sound account. like it. Yeah. She's not being honest. She's not being honest. She doesn't really, she's not remorseful. So I don't know if, there's either she's going to continue this, yeah. I mean, or you have to let it go. She could be, and um, she could be angry mm-hmm. because maybe she's looking back over her life and being like, "What did I? 
what did I do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I quickly checked off all of these boxes. And now I'm 40. And now I'm 40. With four kids. With Yeah, with four kids and a husband who finds himself unexciting. Yeah. And I'm having trouble finding him exciting. Yeah. And now I'm going back to Craig mm-hmm. because that reminds me of a time maybe when I was young and vibrant and things were going on. Mm-hmm. This guy is still fun. Like I haven't... The, the So when you're with someone for a long time, it can be, it's like, you know, eating the same food every day, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, one day maybe you see another kind of food and you're mm-hmm. like, ah, that looks exciting. Yeah. But if you keep eating that food for a long time, that's it, the same thing will happen if yeah. that's your personality, yeah. right? And then it's also the idea that she's in her 40s now. And yeah. that's a different game yeah. altogether. Well, he's five years younger mm-hmm. and he's a guy. Yeah. So really he's like 10 to 12 years younger. Yeah. And how he sees himself and what he's going to do with his life. Yeah. And he seems pretty settled with what he's doing. And mm-hmm. I think that's boring for yeah. her. It wow. is. Thank you, Michael Lass. That you, was Michael a good, juicy piece of yeah. advice. Um, so I have some reality TV roundup. I like to report on reality TV, new shows that are coming out, or shows that are new to me, because I don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. But I do love to read about it and report on it. Yeah. And I'm, I I'm never, never cease to be amazed by what how much content MTV can show that has nothing to do with music still nowadays. Yeah. And this is a show, it's been on for nine seasons. I'd never heard of it. It's called X on the Beach. X on the beach. And the tagline is, a new kind of relationship show. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, MTV has a show, X on the beach. It's hosted by rapper and actor Romeo. I don't know who that is. I'm too old. Um, and it brings together single contestants who have been on The Bachelorette. So these are the ones who didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Big Brother. Okay. Bachelor in Paradise. Oh. The Challenge. Vanderpump Rules. I don't. Get, are you the one? And Bad Girls Club. I don't know if it it mean if Vanderpump Rules means Vanderpump Rules or Vanderpump Rules. The rules of the Vanderpumps. I don't know. I don't even know what a Vanderpump is. Okay. Uh. So and they said they bring together the people. So they're reality TV stars. Yeah. I don't know if you can really call them stars. And then they bring on some. Uh, non-quasi-celebrity singles. So I don't know okay. whether these are celebutants or <laughs> what the deal is, what kind of people they are, reality stars. They all go to Hawaii for what they think is a standard dating show. Okay. So they've already been on reality TV shows before. Their agent has contacted them and they're like, hey, they want to bring you back. It's a mm-hmm. new show. So they think they're going on another dating show and then they get there and their exes are there. Oh, no. That's why it's called X on the Beach. Oh. Anyway, they say plenty of drama, hookups, and revenge happens. Uh, some rekindle relationships that probably shouldn't have gotten together forever. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing here? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, uh, X is on the Beach. Uh, maybe it hasn't been on for nine years. I don't know. May- oh, maybe there were nine episodes. Okay. I'm sorry. Maybe there were nine episodes, not <laughs> they nine seem years. like a year it's, uh, Just thinking about it, yeah. I've aged. So the the singles, they have a, a list of the people who are the singles. And they say, check out these are familiar and not so familiar names. And then they have exes as well. I, I'm pretty sure that this is like the lowest level of, this is like pop will eat itself yeah. kind of thing. So you've taken people who have failed to find love on other shows and put them on the beach with the people who they failed to find love with. 
and that's mm. the show. I, I don't know what the... Like, I thought reality shows kind of had a game show element to them, but these people are all already losers. So yeah, <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know what's going to happen. It's just it's just a nightmare. And also, trying to... why would... What kind of people are these that... If you put me on an island with all of my exes, um, it would probably be quite boring. Because yeah. at uh, this point, I don't really care. I be, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. What is it that we have to do? Is it just like a free vacation with me and a lot of guys who I used to date? Okay, fine. fine. Whatever. I, I, well, they're we've looking all for... moved on. We've yeah. all moved on. Yeah. And if we haven't moved on, it's like, you know, I'm, where where's the drama in that? Anyway, it's 10 episodes, uh, one hours each. Um, I don't know how they're going to set it up. And the the cover art for it is so bizarre because I you know I work with young people I work with people who are probably the target audience for these kind of shows and I'm looking at the images for X on the Beach and it looks like something from the eighties it's like bikinis like high high cut cut bikinis gigantic bazongas the guys look very situationy. Um, well, the high cut bikini is a great thing because it goes up over the tummy. But it's also the the uh, the triangle top that's oh, yeah. ruched. Yeah, yeah. You know, the guys are wearing kind of surf shorts. Uh, everybody is well represented, but and this is where I think it would not ring true for a lot of the young people I work with. All straight couples. Oh, that doesn't right, make right. sense. Yeah, no. Like no, none of these people look anything like what my students would conceptualize as a group of people mm. coming together. Uh, I remember we were having one class and we talked about same-sex education, and they did some surveys that said that people felt that in a same-sex school you wouldn't have there's less distractions mm-hmm. uh, romantically. My students were like, "Really? Why? Why do you think just because it's same?" <laughs> Like that, there wouldn't be that was the romantic thing, right? entanglements. I know, I know. This is like, you know, I, I, that's one thing that I always thought was BS when I went to an all girls school. I'm like, what about gays? Yes, what like, about what them? They, yeah, you know? you know, like every like nobody's gonna say they're gay. No, but there's still relationships yeah. and drama going yeah. on. Yeah, there's always a triangle. Yeah, it doesn't, and especially when you're young, because you're not, you may not even be able, you might not be labeling yourself. Of putting a name on what mm-hmm. you're doing, but it's still there. Yeah, the distractions are still there. Oh, right, God, it's such a ridiculous um, argument. Yeah, so uh, X on the beach, a bunch of lo- reality TV show <laughs> losers losing again, losing again. Uh, Vanderpump Rules. I don't even know what that is. Okay, what do you have? I have the weekend bigots. All right, so the weekend bigots. This is where we talk about uh, vocabulary that's gotten into the water stream. That's big. Yeah, yeah, it's water supply yeah. uh, vocabulary that just we say. And yeah, you and I say. We, yeah, we just it's racist. It's sexist. It's misogynist. It's xenophobic. Yeah, it's you, anti-Semitic, and we just, it just comes right out of our mouths because we don't know any better. Yes. <laughs> so we'd like to shine a little light on that. Yeah. And take a look at what's in your glass. Yeah. What's in our glass today? In our shot glass of okay. hatred. There's two phrases. <laughs> and foolishness. Two phrases. Phrases, one is no can do. Okay. No can do is something that we can... I is, oh, no. Is, okay. this, is this anti-Asian? It sounds broken, like broken English. Uh, and it is this goes up, on with me so horny? Yeah. <laughs> it's the saying that cropped up in the mid-1800s, a time when Westerners widely held racist attitudes toward the East mm, as a oh, way to mock... Because that's all dissipated now. As a way to <laughs> mock simplified uh, Chinese pidgin English. Okay. And on top of that is the... 
Is a cherry. <laughs> is the term long time no see. Oh, no. Yeah, that was first uttered by long a Native no American. Mm-hmm. In print, William F. Drannan used the phrase in one of his novels to describe an encounter with a Native American. I knew he recognized me when we rode up to him. He said, good morning, long time no see you. Mm-hmm. And at that time... Which I think is an elegant phrase, yeah. long time no see. Yeah. You know, it just, it says everything. So, like... No can do, long time no see, mocks Native Americans' broken English. That's ridiculous. You know, in uh, when I was studying Mandarin, in, uh, in Mandarin, there are a lot of phrases that are four words. Mm-hmm. And they say if you can memorize all the four-word phrases. So they're phrases that, um, like that, like long time no see. Like it makes, mm-hmm. it, it makes it easier for you to express yourself. Yeah. And they say if you can memorize all the four-word the four four phrases, then you have like mastered... The idea of of the language, oh, no which kidding. I think is cool. That is cool. You know, That's so it's cool it's kind of stuff like you know, mountain was it mountain high, emperor far, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like these i like these big sweeping ideas, mm-hmm. but like they are broken. They're um, not broken down, but I want to say like concentrated into these mm-hmm. four word phrases. Interesting. Long time no see and no can do and no can do. Yeah, these are two. And in my mind, uh, you know, as someone who taught English for a while, I love this kind of stuff. I think it sounds fantastic. Yeah. But they were obviously using it to to mock to mock. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. So you play bass, keys, drums, guitar, sing lead or rap, horns too. Looking for a place to go Saturday night, eight p.m. to twelve. Funkadelic Studios, y'all. Fully equipped rehearsal studio. It's got everything you need to jam. What you waiting on? 209 was 40th Street. Come one, come all, and you can bring your bandmate, lover, or friend. Yeah, come prepared to jam. Celebrity show. Celebrity show. I could yes. not believe this one. This is celebrities who are pushing products. Uh, some some products that you might want, other products you might want to avoid. Steven Seagal <gasps> is endorsing cryptocurrency. So you know there's Bitcoin. So this it's B I T C O I N mm-hmm. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. He's pushing Bitcoin with two eyes. No. <laughs> so it's B I T C O I I N two gen. Bitcoin to Jen. Oh, he is a snake. And he was, this was in Feb- February of last year. He's still pushing it. Yeah. They did the rollout uh, and they they tapped Steven Seagal as the worldwide brand ambassador, the star of Under Siege, Above the Law, and Hard to Kill. This guy lately, I've never been a big Steven Seagal fan, but lately his, his beard and mustache has been so offensive to me. So he's rocking a Diablo. He's oh, old. No. And it is dyed dark black, and he has more hair than he's ever had on his head before. Oh, my God. He looks ridiculous. He's going werewolf. And his face is fat, Oh, but he's still trying to do these action movies. Uh-huh. So if you watch his action movies now, in the past, he would punch and fly at people. Now they throw people at him, and he just deflects them. Because <laughs> <laughs> he? he's the keto master, Yeah, because right? he just sticks his leg up, and then something flies onto it and flies away. <laughs> okay. Um so they, the press release from Bitcoin said oh, that they picked... This is offensive. This is really... They, they picked Steven Seagal because he's a man of diverse character huh? whose spiritual beliefs and humanity are woven into every aspect of his life and says that the forthcoming cryptocurrency is going to make a superior or more advanced version of the original Bitcoin. That's are why it's kidding? called Bitcoin... 
so no. there's no information about who is behind Bitcoin. It's probably already collapsed by now. Um, and apparently they had like a, some kind of a pyramid scheme. Uh-huh. So it's like, hey, if you can get your friends oh, to buy the Bitcoin, uh-huh. we'll give you a piece of this Bitcoin for free. So is it the thing that you have to, that we should get in on now? Because <laughs> oh, I guess we should have gotten in on it before it collapsed. But the thing is that they're paying. So you're working, you're buying Bitcoin and then <laughs> trying to get your friends to get the Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And then as a kickback, you get more of the imaginary Bitcoin. Okay. So it's, you know, nothing from nothing. dollars to buy. <laughs> means nothing, yeah. Buy nothing. For the buy nothing. And, and then you get a piece of nothing. Yeah. So uh, that is, um, yeah, Bitcoin, the, the celebrity show, Steven Seagal. Hmm. Or Bitcoin. I hope he's trying to, he's probably trying to get it on 50 Cent, because 50 Cent got in on Bitcoin and made a kabillion yeah. actual dollars. Because he bought bought a bunch of Bitcoin, the price went up, and then he turned it back into U.S. currency. Oh, my God. So he did well with it Boy. as an early adopter. But this is too late now. It's Bitcoin. Yeah. It's like SoMe or Adibus. What is the next thing? We need to know what the next thing is so we can make money. Hikey bucks. Hikey bucks, right. We said right. that one hikey buck is equivalent to $1. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you have? I have... Tales from Dare Campfire. Ooh, Tales from Dare Campfire is a segment where we find tales on the internet of the paranormal, fake lore, folklore, ghost so stories. Scary stuff. And we retell them here around the digital campfire. So for the 400th episode, please. Okay. Gather around. Gather around, listeners. All right. This no, is- seriously, gather around. <laughs> Get quickly. Because it's starting. Okay. This is a ghost story. And this also ties in... Um, this is a twofer. Celebrity ghost stories, which was one of my favorite oh, shows. Celebrity where celebrities ghost stories told their ghost stories. Yeah, and there were like reenactments. Okay, which was the best show on earth. <laughs> anyway, but this one is told by Michael Yuri. Okay, who you may know from Ugly Betty. He was the assistant to um, to the head of the agency. Okay, or the company. Uh, what's her name? Vanessa Williams. And he's in a bunch of other stuff, he's too. He's in a bunch of other things. Okay. He is my... I just love him. I okay. Think he's great. And he saw a ghost. And he saw a ghost, but I also saw him in a restaurant, and we smiled at each other. And he, like, did a smile and a head tilt, like, oh, you know who I am. I'm like, I know. Yes, I've seen you. Yeah, so I, I think he's great. So Michael Yuri tells this story. Okay. He says, I just graduated from drama school, and I was an out-of-work actor. Living in New York with a good friend of mine named Megan. Also known as an actor. <laughs> and we had a small apartment in Williamsburg, and she had a sweet little dog named Tilly. One night, a group of us were hanging out in the apartment, and someone brought up the subject of the paranormal. Mm-hmm. We started talking about ghost stories, creepy coincidences, and Ouija boards. One of the guys, Ryan, knew a lot about them. Uh, Megan got very quiet, which was very strange, but I didn't think too much about it at first. Mm-hmm. What about the dog? Nothing? <laughs> Nothing for the dog? Then Ryan said, uh, we should play with the Ouija board right now. That's never a good idea. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not never a good, a good idea. idea. We didn't have one, but Ryan said he could make one. Okay, he, again. I know. If right? you don't have one, that's your out. Yeah. Don't let some guy come in there and make one up. Yeah. He took a cardboard box, no. cut it up, and started drawing all the letters and the numbers. I would have been like, check, please. Then he wrote the yes and the no and the goodbye. What do they use for the, uh, the table piece? Okay. I don't know. Where they put their hands on. Megan said, I'm not going to do this. And for whatever reason, it made her uncomfortable. So she took her dog. Really? For whatever reason? Maybe when the guy brought out a cat skull and was like, we'll use this. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put our hands on this to find. The plant. Yeah. She took her dog, Tilly, and went to her room. 
we started the game and all put our hands on the planchette. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they made. I don't, I'm speaking as we, I forgot, like he didn't say, he didn't say what the planchette Cat's was. Cat's as I said. <laughs> You're okay. Yeah, it's caddist. That's why the dog was out. Okay. So, is anybody there, we asked. The thing moved to yes. Mm-hmm. Who is it, we asked. And the thing spelled out B-I-L-L-Y. Okay. Are you dead? Yes. What I would you, hope so. What do you want? And the planchette slowly moved to M. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm M. (laughs) (laughs) Get over yourself. And then it went to E. And I breathed a sigh of relief. And then it went to G. He was spelling out Megan. Who's Megan? The roommate. The one that left the room. Didn't want to play. Yeah, I want her to come back in the room. I was still skeptical, but I can't deny that this was freaking me out. Megan was still in her room. And I called out to her, hey, Megan. She opened, yeah, somebody in here wants you. She opened the door, and the first thing she said, is it Billy? That's creepy. Yeah. We all freaked out at this point. It's I was a in haunted sublet. <laughs> I was in a cold sweat. No one, <laughs> no one was touching the Ouija board. We were like, Megan, who is this? Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. She explained to us that Billy had been her friend. They lived near each other. When he was 13, he was killed in a drunk driving accident. <gasps> Afterwards, Why didn't she just say something before? She was like, look, I'm tired of this. Uh-huh. I've had enough of Billy. If you put, get the Ouija board out, I know it's going to happen. Yeah. Afterwards, it was really hard for her. She was devastated. I got the feeling... You, sir, are a crappy roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Inviting these people over to bring up old shit. I got the feeling that Billy was not popular in school, and she was only friends with him outside of school. And she felt a lot of guilt about that. Mm-hmm. This tragedy always stuck with her. And ever since, on the few occasions she had on a Ouija board at college or parties, Billy would always show up. No, thank you for bringing up this very painful memory. Yeah, Megan was a mess. We should never have made this Ouija board. We never should have invited Billy into this situation. Live alone, sir. And what do you want to do? We asked her, um, do, we want to, do you want us to get rid of him? Do you want us to tell him to go away? And she said, no. It's too late now. I have to talk to him. Oh my goodness! She sat down a few feet away from the board, and she asked a question. And she asked questions while we placed our hands on the planchette. Are you okay, Billy? She said, "Yes." Is there anything you want? No. Is there anything you want to tell me? And yes. What? And the planchette spelled out H I. <laughs> of course, because he's thirteen years yeah. old. Hi. Okay, hi, she said. Now, goodbye, Billy. <laughs> Peace out. Yeah. Flow on. Ooh, I yeah. like that one. Uh, the planchette moved to no. And she said, go to goodbye, Billy. Go to goodbye? Yeah, because you have to say, make them sign off. Oh, that's right. You can't leave it open. You can't leave it open. Yeah. yeah. The planchette didn't move. The room was silent. None of us had uh, said a word. And then very slowly, the planchette went to goodbye. Oh, he read the room. Yeah, <laughs> Megan was very No one's upset. feeling me. She went back to her room and our friends left. I felt terrible, so I ripped up the homemade Ouija board and threw it in the garbage and went to bed. Uh, You know what? That's not how you get rid of a Ouija board. I know. In the middle of the night, I heard Tilly barking and growling. There was this was a nice, sweet dog that never made a sound. Now all of a sudden, it was barking and growling violently at something. Mm -hmm. The Ouija board and the cat skull. Just then, I heard a knock at my door. I opened and Megan came in. She was terrified. Together, we walked into the hallway and we saw Tilly barking and growling ferociously. At the garbage can, where the Ouija board was, as if something was there. Mm-hmm. Well, the Ouija board. Megan grabbed the dog and said, I have to go back to my room now. I mean, what's going to happen in there? It was left out there with the garbage can and whatever that was freaking... I was left out there with the garbage can and whatever was freaking out the dog. 
I cautiously went to the garbage can, collected the pieces of the Ouija board, and took them over the sink, sink and burned them. Wow. Uh, if I were Megan, I would have gotten that Ouija board and then threw it in his room when he was, I would have put it in his bed like a horse head. Yeah. When they were all gone, I decided to go to bed, mm-hmm. so I switched off the light. When I turned around, I saw a figure standing beside the garbage can. It was a young boy. Ugh. When I flicked the lights on again, he was gone. The next day, I apologized to Megan and told... It was too late. Her ...that we never should have made the Ouija board. She forgave me, and she told me more about Billy. Aww. She resigned to the fact that Billy was probably going to be part of her life forever. Yeah, nice going, Michael. He would never forget her and probably would never skip a chance to say hi. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. This is, see, and I bet you. So he and, left out of the part of the story where she was like, guys, please don't do this. And yeah. they were like, whatevs. Yeah, right? Probably. Yeah. But man, when he told the story and I saw it, I was just like, how was the reenactment? Ah. It was good. It was good. Yeah, it was cool. all good. Ah, so a retelling of a retell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Tales from Dirt Campfire. So, uh, Musk, you. Musk, you really. <laughs> I, I, we got to give a shout out to my boy Elon Musk. Um, apparently. Since he was on uh, a podcast, a live podcast taping, so they videoed it, smoking weed and acting, behaving erratically, mm-hmm. people who are funding a lot of his programs are like, eh, maybe you need to disassociate yourself. So uh, Tesla got a vote of confidence from an analyst on Friday. This was back in December. But the upgrade came with a suggestion. So they're saying the company's doing well. Uh, they moved it from a buy Oh, sorry, they, sorry, they moved it from hold to buy. Oh. All right, so, so that's okay. good. Um, and they have an improved balance sheet. Uh, and they gave it a nice uh, target for the stock. But they're saying that maybe CEO Elon Musk might consider backing away from some of his duties mm. as chief executive. Oh, man. And they say Elon Musk's erratic behavior makes us wonder if he might consider. So it's so passive. If he might consider seeing his way to kindly getting the fuck away from being the CEO. Right. <laughs> Basically is what they say. <laughs> we, think, we think such, um, they're saying that he should reduce his direct involvement in Tesla, which is his baby, and focus on, and I quote, product slash vision slash other ventures. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? This is something I've, because I've worked in the tech world, the corporate world a little bit. It's always amusing to me when the person who has started the company. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, it was like, you know, all of a sudden, what? everyone is like, hey, yeah, it was real cute. I, like, we love what you did, but don't you mm-hmm. have some hobbies? Isn't it? Yeah. Didn't you want to travel? Something? Yeah, it's usually, yeah. The- Weren't you into CrossFit? Since <laughs> then, like you put on a few pounds. Let's get back to CrossFit. Like, go back to CrossFit. Yeah. That, painting. Like, you were in painting for a while. Mm-hmm. We set the studio up for you way across town where you can go mm-hmm. and work on this stuff. So, we think, they say, such a move. Right, to his product slash vision slash other ventures. Mm-hmm. They don't even care what they are. Might be better suited to Mr. Musk's talents than driving manufacturing efficiency, basically. So they're like, yeah. go, please go do something else. Um, and go do something else where we figure out. Yeah, and last November, a group of shareholders demanded that, that the board rein him in. Oh so it's his company. I mean, I don't have, you know, I don't have any feelings about him one way or the other. But it's kind of, it, it seems kind of rude yeah. for them to be like, uh, why don't you step away from the company that, you know, you came up with. It is rude. With? And it's, it's, a, it's a takeover. Yeah. I said that they need someone who can take the leadership. Right, mm-hmm. so I guess he's not looking like a really good leader, and tackle the company's challenges. Some of the challenges they had last year were from, you know, making the product, 
right? <laughs> to uh, navigating a criminal inqu- inquiry into whether or not Tesla misled investors about the product that they are struggling to make mm-hmm. in the first place. Um, they say it's really unusual for CEOs to take on a reduced role because they have gigantic egos and because um, they it's their company it in is. a lot of cases. And that's you the know. thing. It's, They're it's, the chief. Regardless of the ego, yeah. as tremendous as it they, be. It's their company. It is. <laughs> How dare they so come to Elon Musk and be like, yo... It's like you're coming to my apartment. Yeah. Side. Yeah. I'm going to de- decorate this. I know. I, I see what you have going on here, and we need to change everything. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a studio down the hall. <laughs> and do do that, what you did here. Do that there. That would yeah. be great over there. Yeah. The way you set this up, you'll do a really, really good job. Um, so they're just trying to, they're weighing, but the, the difficulty with Elon Musk is, um, not just that he has a big uh, ego, but he is great advertisement for this company. So there are a lot of companies that are trying to do what Elon Musk's companies are trying to do. Yeah. But they don't have his personality right. fronting it. The only reason why we do Musk you, Musk you, you know, Elon, we're not doing it for whoever's running Chrysler mm-hmm. right now or whoever is running like, you know, Del Monte. Or any of these big companies. We're doing it because we're of doing him. it because of his um, his personality, yeah. right? He's in the news all the time. So I say on this one, you, usually I'm like, "Musk, you must you really? You know what, Elon? You Musk, you must. You tell them that Tesla is your company, and they That's should get right. to stepping. And you should you know what you should do is get like a walking staff with a big globe at the end, <laughs> yes. and just start using that walking into meetings. Yes, I think that would be fantastic. I think he should pimp walk in with yeah. like some with some swagger. Yeah. Like one shoulder a little bit higher when he comes in. Yeah. And I would like him to, to wrap it on the table to get mm-hmm. people's attention. Yeah. Then I want him to put it down or have somebody hold it. Yes. Then I want him to put both hands on the table and like, gentlemen, you're fired. Yeah. All of you. And then just walk out. I yeah. would slow clap that. I would I would enjoy that. So, yeah. I mean we're with you, Elon. Yeah. Honestly. When like, I say I, take your- Musk you really? Yes, you musk. You absolutely musk. It's obligatory. All right, what do you have? Okay, I have famous beeps. Okay, so what did you have for famous? I have the beeps. 47 Ronin versus Kira Yoshin Aka. Okay. Have you heard of this? 47 Ronin? Yeah. Who are they? Okay. In Samurai, you're going to like this. Okay. So will your husband because he's yeah. a samurai. In Samurai history, there is no more famous story than the vendetta of the tale of the 47 Ronin. Okay, it's a lot of Ronin. So the Ronin are masterless uh, samurai, right? They're like rogue? Pretty much. But they're right. together somehow. Yeah, So the uh, which has become Japan's most treasured piece of national folklore. Mm-hmm. As the story goes, the feud originally began in the 1600s between Asano Naganori. Mm-hmm. He is a feudal lord. And Kira Yoshinaka. Okay, okay. An official, so one of them wasn't having it. And an official who worked as the shogun, the head of the okay. military right. official in Japan. So we got this feudal lord and the head of the military. The shogun. The shogun. Okay. Uh, Kira was supposedly a rude and ill-tempered man. <laughs> <laughs> and it said he regularly disrespected the more unflappable Asano. Okay. After repeated insults, Asano finally drew his sword and attacked Kira. Okay. But he only succeeded in slashing the, the, the other's face before he was subdued and arrested. Or just he just cut him on the cheek or something? Yeah. So oh, That's got to be embarrassing. And yeah. then he gets hauled off? For his crime, Asano was forced to commit uh, seppuku, which is, which is the ritualistic suicide that are known at, in the West as Harry Carey. Yeah. 
Why Why do we give it another name for a word that we don't fully I understand? I know. It it's such... Yeah. Asano's death meant that, meant that his samurai retainers had become mm-hmm. ronin warriors without masters or purpose. That's right, rogue. That's right. So he had these guys on retainer. Didn't they think about that? Before they... Okay. Right. Now, now you got, got, this is all complex. Yeah, now you got like 47 Ronin who were like, you killed our master. Yeah. 47 but times. But he just had them on retainer, so they were working for ah, him. Ah, so now they're free. Now they're free, but... Good time if you're looking still... for a Ronin. <laughs> um, so they all went their separate separate ways, but the group of 47 loyal members, led by Oshi Yusho, mm-hmm. swore to avenge Asano. Okay. Okay, this is now. you got 47. This is Kobe beef. Okay. So, the, Kira was wary <laughs> that the Ronin may come for him. You think? <laughs> that they would try to seek There's revenge. a good chance at least 3, 4, okay. 30 So, they were come. forced to lie in wait for over a year, carefully disguising their motives. The Ronin? The Ronin. How does someone not notice 47 Ronin go missing? No, and then but, a 47, yeah, they, like, okay. low-laying people show up. They carefully disguised their motives by taking on menial jobs and pretending yeah. to be poor and undisciplined. I never noticed that they we had so many noodle shops in our town before. But the, and they were also really bad workers. They, Shitty they, noodle they shops. They pretended to be bad workers because wow. they were so disciplined as, these, as so these warriors. not only are they samurai, but they also got a little improv in They them. got some improv, yes. <laughs> Masters of disguise. Yeah. But so two years after Asano's death, the Ronin finally attacked. They converged on Kira's mansion after and after defeating several rival samurai in combat, mm-hmm. they found Kira cowering oh. <laughs> in a back room and killed him by cutting off his head. Wow. They took the head with them and placed it on their master's tomb before turning themselves into the authorities. Wow. Yeah. That's dramatic. Though they may have been victorious in the feud, the forty seven Ronin were charged with murder and they were forced to commit Sapuko again. Yep, in the same fashion as their masters. Wow. I think they knew that was going to happen. Yeah. But so I think that's the scary thing about that the guy, what was his name? Uh, Akara? Yeah, yeah, the the Shogun. The Shogun guy. Like, what was he thinking? Yeah. And why was he still in town? Yeah. And yeah, you have 47 Ronin out there. So that is some beef that was um, squashed. Yeah. I guess. Everybody bit the dust. So I want to give a shout out to Dinosaurs. I know you're listening. <laughs> this is a little shout out. And this one's for you because I know you like opals. I do. So this guy found, it's a dinosaur jaw uh, from the Cretaceous era. And it was found, uh, a guy who was hunting for opals. I like all kinds of stones and crystals. All right. So he was hunting for opals at a place called Wee Wara in Australia. And he found what he thought was an oddly shaped opal. But it was an opalized fossil. So there's a part of Australia where the, the majority of the sediment mm-hmm. um, is perfect for creating opals. Okay. And if a dinosaur bone is in that sediment over time, at the porous areas of the bone are filled in with opal. Oh, get it. And it becomes opalized. So this guy found a gigantic, um, it's a form of ornithopod, so it's a bipedal plant-eating dinosaur. Uh, that has a duck bill mm-hmm. and um, had grazing teeth. Mm. They found the jaw of it, and it was totally opalized. That's fantastic. How fantastic is that? Wear it as a like a necklace pendant. Uh, well, it's huge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, like, it's not that small. It'd be a very, and a very expensive pendant. Yeah. Very heavy and very expensive. 
so yeah, it has the teeth and the jawbone fragment together, mm-hmm. and it looks like an opal. If you can Google it, the the uh, new dinosaur is called the Weewarasaurus pobeni, named after Mike Poben, who yep. found it, and then the area Weewara, Weewarasaurus pobeni, and it's a new species from the Cretaceous period. Um, so just pretty cool. Um, like I said, Lightning Ridge is where it was found. We Wara. It's the only place in the world where dinosaur bones routinely turn to opal. So it's not an anomaly. It's an anomaly that they found this new dinosaur, but uh-huh. it's not an anomaly in this area to find dinosaur remains that have been turned into opal, uh-huh. which I think is pretty cool. It says over uh-huh. the is a prehistoric floodplain, rich amounts of silica. And that's what creates the the opal. Over ages, the mineral seeps into cracks and hollow pockets in the bones, and it hardens into opals. It's a hundred million year old. Oh, that's amazing. And it's a it's a pre, it's a new di- dinosaur species, and it's also a precious gemstone. So twofer, <laughs> twofer. There you go. Almost what, a way, good. what a way to end up. Yeah, you know, like I'm the first, and I'm a jewel. Yeah. I think it's amazing because I love dinosaur bones. I think they are beautiful. Uh, but the idea that you could find one that's also a gem that mm-hmm. has all the colors of the opal and stuff on mm-hmm. is pretty cool too. So there you go, dino shout out. Nice. All right, what do you got? Uh, an iTunes review. Oh, thank goodness. So when we first started, we got onto iTunes. We were like, please give us reviews because we thought that that would raise us up in the iTunes, iTunes, in the <laughs> iTunes. Um, what is it Podcast on the iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> we thought that by getting more reviews, we would be catapulted well, to fame. Somehow. Or somehow. Like we'd be up there in the rotation. Yeah. Five, uh, so we said five-star reviews, and we'd re- read we'll it on read the air. We'll read on the air no matter what. No matter what. what. You're right. But the reality of it is we've never gotten a bad review, because why would you bother yeah. to leave a bad review? You know? In yeah. any case, so there's a new iTunes review. Or yeah, new. This, was a, this was relatively new. Okay. This was from March 2nd, 2018. Wow. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Miss Keva. Thank you, Miss Keva. And it's, uh, the, she writes... This podcast has warned us about the robot takeover, so don't be surprised when it happens. That's right. My favorite segment is Advice on Advice. Oh, thank you very much. So thank you. Five yeah. stars. Thank you very much. We yeah. really appreciate it. We do it. appreciate it. I like any kind of uh, props that yeah. we may receive. So whatever happened to where we go back and find out what happened to somebody who was big back in the day yeah. and is <laughs> not so big now but is still around. So um, I would just like to talk about... A brother who may not be internationally known, but he's known throughout the microphone. <laughs> you know I'm talking about Rob Bass. <laughs> so Rob Bass oh. and DJ Easy Rock were mm-hmm. hip-hop duo from Harlem. Mm-hmm. I don't know they're from Harlem World. And their hit, uh, their big hit was It Takes Two. And mm-hmm. it was a top 40 hit. And it's been certified platinum seven times over. Oh, my God. You could, it, all my friends would say... If you ever want, want to find Katie... Yell out, play Rob Bass. And that song will come yes. on, and then she'll be on the floor. Look on and the dance floor. There she is. I love that song. So the, the group, the, the together Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock were active starting in 1985. DJ Easy Rock passed away oh. from, uh, I think, early onset diabetes or something like oh, that, like a couple sad. of years ago. Yeah. So their first, uh, their duo, they were a duo, and their U.S. single... Uh, the first single they released was DJ Interview. I don't remember that. That came out in 1987 on World to World, which is their album. And then it got them a recording contract. Mm-hmm. So that was like their demo. So you may not have heard it. 
And then when they were on profile records, they released It Takes Two, Mm -hmm. which sampled from James Brown and from Lynn Collins. And it became a regional hit and then was a billboard hit and picked up multi-platinum single certification. It was number three in the dance music. And it was a crossover. Mm -hmm. So this was a rap song that had a lot of pop and rock elements Mm -hmm. and was getting play all over the place. Right. Um, the album called was also called It Takes Two, and they put it together very quickly after they put made a single, and it had the hit Joy and Pain, you know, mm. pump it up, put up, pump it up, sunshine and rain, keep it going, keep it going now. And that had some samples as well. Unfortunately, during this time in rap and hip-hop, people had not really figured out how to deal with samples, mm-hmm. uh, and so people were getting sued. So they ran afoul of some... Uh, copyright issues mm-hmm. uh, that you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, and they had legal problems. They had personal problems, and DJ Easy Rock left the group, and it was just Rob based by himself. Oh, right? so in 1989, he came out with an al- a debut solo album called The Incredible Bass. Didn't sell very well, oh. um, and then only one song got onto the dance charts called Turn It Out, Go Bass. <laughs> okay. um, they all, they had a reunion album in 1994 called The Break of Dawn also did not mm-hmm. do very well mm-hmm. um, and then that was in, in 2008 It Takes Two was ranked number 37 on VH1's greatest hip hop songs ever it really is one of the best pieces of dance music it ever it's it just is. fun the samples are good Rob Bass is awesome it just was one of those things it's a, a perfect, fun song perfect storm yeah. of goodness that's what the they'll be playing in the retirement home yeah and hips will break yeah you know people try to roll out there yeah. and do their thing so um what's he been doing lately private parties in 2015 he did a private party in Armonk New York which is like upstate uh, in 2017, he performed at the halftime show at the NBA Finals. Oh, okay. In 2017. Um, in 2016 to the present, he has been on the I Love the 90s tour. I don't know if you've seen this. I think mm-hmm. I've mentioned it before. Salt and Pepper, Vanilla Ice, nice. Coolio, Tone Loke. Young MC, All for One, Color Me Bad, Kid and Play, and Bismarcky. That is a lineup yeah. to be... Uh, I need to see that. They Well, they have been doing uh, stuff in Las Vegas. So he was on another tour. As I love the, the 90s. The party continues. Mm-hmm. This is part two. It was TLC, the, the remaining members of TLC. Yeah. Uh, Naughty by Nature, Blackstreet, Montel Jordan, Cisco. <gasps> And Sugar Ray's Mark McGrath, who apparently likes black people and black people like him because he's the only non-black <laughs> artist besides <laughs> Vanilla Ice who is doing anything with them. Sugar Ray. Snap. And I like Sugar Ray. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, CNC Music Factory is also performing okay. with Freedom Williams. Um, at this year... Oh, sorry. Last year, he performed at Squalapalooza, which was just like a block party in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you can hire fine. him. Oh, I don't wow. know what his quote is, but, you know... And then he joined, he's now in Las Vegas. So in October of last year, 2018, he joined Salt and Pepper and All for One in a hip hop residency in Las Vegas. So, you know, in Las Vegas, like Mariah Carey will have a residency or share. But this is the first time that hip hop artists are getting residencies uh-huh. out there. I was very upset because I heard my boy Ice Cube was going to be there. And I could not be there. And it was uh, killing me. Because you know, if there's nothing else I really enjoy about America, it's Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Okay. I love Ice Cube. Noted. Noted. So okay. that's what happened to Rob Bass. What happened to Rob Bass is that he's continued so, so to, to entertain. Rock the microphone. Yeah. 
He took rock and like, and he is he is a party person. And yeah, that's where he belongs. The, I mean that that par- party music from that era to me is still some of the best party music. It, it just really makes is. everybody feel good, and it, generally they're talking about having a party. Yeah. And, and they want to get the party and started. And they're inclusive too. Yeah. It's like, hey, everybody, put everybody your, party. Put your hands in the air. Yeah, everyone can do that. Not not just some of you. Yeah, everybody. You know, and wave them as if you have not a care yeah, about it. Yeah, like yeah, just leave your worries behind. People. Yeah, get the party going. <laughs> All right, what do you have? You're listening to Hey You Know It with Jaquetta Sotmari and Katie Kazmir. We're telling you how it is and how it should be. Got movies in a minute. Oh, okay. So this is a segment where Katie tries to recount the plot of a film in one minute. In one minute. So, and this is I I made up. I invented this segment, and I cannot do it. <laughs> you sure can. And I stress out. Yeah. Well, I mean, so what is it? What is it? This okay. Time? The movie this time is First Blood. First Blood. Okay. Rambo. First Blood. Are you no? I'm, I started already. Oh, you did? Okay. Okay, I'm resetting. <laughs> I thought you were just... No, a, no, I'm saying... Surprise. So the, today's movie in a minute is... First, First Blood. Blood. Go. Okay, so this is the story of Johnny Rambo, Vietnam vet, who leaves the war, uh, goes back to America, and tries to find his friends who are still in his unit. Much to his surprise, <laughs> he goes to the town and finds... That nobody likes him. He gets spit on. The cops are trying to drive him out of town. And not only that, everybody in his unit is dead. And as a result from uh, not only being killed in the war, but Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. Cancer, that kind of thing. 30 seconds. <laughs> so, go! You just wasted five seconds. So they try to run him out of town. He doesn't want to go. So the, town, uh, the cops in the town wage war against him. He's in the mountains. Takes off his shirt. Um, blows up the town. And then starts crying. That's it? Uh, <laughs> wow. 47 seconds. I think he takes off his shirt, starts crying, and scene. Well done. I got nothing on that. All right, movies movies in under a minute. I did it. You did it. He takes off his shirt. Right? It, that's, that's actually how it happens. <laughs> takes off his, blows up the town, takes off shirt, starts crying. Yeah. First blood. <laughs> First blood. All right, I'm going to do a quick one, too. Hot tub DNA. Hot tub so DNA, So this is what okay. we think about. If we put these celebrities together. If you mix celebrities. Yeah, together in a, in a hot tub, all their DNA, what comes out. So just quickly, if you put Keanu Reeves, Lucy Liu, <laughs> and Steven Tyler in the hot Ooh, tub, out Jesus. comes Adam Driver, a.k.a. Kylo Ren. Yes! From from the reboot. That is so yes. true. That from is the Black Klansman. Yes, he was in Girls. Yep. So Lucy yeah. Liu plus Keanu Reeves plus Steven Tyler equals Adam Driver. Thank you very much. 
that hot tub DNA. That is fantastic. He is the most interesting looking person. Yeah. His background is he was in the military. Mm-hmm. He was uh, discharged honorably with a some kind of injury. Mm-hmm. He used the GI Bill to go to Juilliard. He had a difficult time there because you know the, the average person who goes to Juilliard is not someone who's older and who's done that mm-hmm. kind of service. Um, but he managed to adjust, and then he went and started doing serious roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a lot of um, respect for people in the military, and he's trying to use, uh, trying to bring theater, trying to use theater to bridge the gap culturally between people who are in the military or who, are, who have been in the military and the general public. Mm-hmm. So trying to bring people together to an understanding with the troops just so that there's not a huge disconnect, mm-hmm. which is important, right? We need to, everybody needs to know what's going on with everybody else. Yeah. So I like the idea that he's using theater to do this. That's really great. But oh, he's, so he's good. He's, he's very tall. interesting yeah. looking. Yeah. I was surprised that he hasn't modeled because he's so strange looking yeah. and tall. Yeah, he has an interesting yeah. facial structure. Uh, well, it's the facial structure of Keanu Reeves, Lucy Liu, and Steven Tyler. That is. <laughs> so, all right, what do you have? Uh, this was an unofficial segment, but Jaquetta turned it into a, named it a segment. Because okay. I usually come in with some kind of tips and a list. Yes. And unbeknownst to me, Jaquetta thinks that that's funny. I love it. How many tips was on the list? Is it more than ten? There's more. There's fifteen, but okay. It's, but you know, I was like, "What is the ultimate list for our episode?" Well, what I love is that you're like, "Here's a tip. This is a list of forty tips, and then you do like four. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the tips didn't make it. Yeah. So today's. I was like, "What is list? the ultimate? Is yeah. fifteen ways to win at life? Oh, is this a hashtag win or just win in no, general? Because look, look, hey, I, I this is from Men's Journal. Okay. Oh, I love me some Men's Journal. Um, so they say a life well lived shouldn't be gauged by how long you live, but rather how many kick-ass experiences you enjoy. Okay, so the the kick-ass level is yeah. important. Uh, yeah. So kick-ass thriving is a word people <laughs> most people would be glad to hear themselves described as, but science hasn't uh, really managed. Yeah. How's Jaquetta doing? Y'all, she's thriving. <laughs> that is not what I want to hear. <laughs> So it appears to come down an individual experience, a sense of development, and getting better at something, and succeeding at mastering something. Mm-hmm. In the simplest terms, that what, that's what underpins the feeling good about life and yourself. The crushing it. Crushing it, being good at something. Yeah. I disagree. Yeah. I disagree, but the, according to this article, this is how that's you the win criteria. at life. You yeah. have to win by being successful and okay. crushing it somehow. You could also win by enhancing other people's lives. Yeah, but this is not, not what destroying men's journal anything, is about. But the men's journal says you got to crush it. you got to crush it. Like a beer can to the forehead. You've got to have experiences, mm-hmm. and you've got to succeed Yeah, and get better at something. Yeah. And even master it. Yeah. Okay. So All that. So the factors, so if you <laughs> ultimately... Ultimately, what it takes to live your best life includes a combination of some, not all these traits. If it not all be your these best traits. life. Well, number one, optimism. Be it. <laughs> Have it. Spirituality or religious belief. Really? I'm spiritual, not religious. Uh, uh, the worst saying. Uh, Having motivation. A proactive okay. approach. Eagerness to learn. Flexibility. In what way? It doesn't say. Okay, like touch your toes. Men's journal. Men's journal. Just okay. flexibility. Just be flexible. Adaptable. Yeah, don't be rigid. Social competency. Come on. <laughs> we just gave each other a look like, huh? Who? 
social competency. You don't want to be socially incompetent. Yeah. A social buffoon, if you will. High self-esteem. Okay. Yeah, that always works out really well for everybody. Yeah, finding opportunities to succeed. That mm-hmm. works out, too. Yeah. Support from employers, family, community. How are you going to get that going? How is, how is my boss going to support me? I work for myself. But, I mean, how is that going to happen? I know. I, it, this is like... This is I, how you win? This is a white guy talking. Yeah. A white guy, a very specific, like, mm-hmm. upper middle class mm-hmm. white guy. This is not the guys that the white guys I grew up with. Yeah. Manageable challenges and difficulties. You only have to have manageable ones. Don't get crazy with it. Don't, if you have any challenges or difficulties that are unmanageable, you're not going to win. Yeah. Like, make, before you even get into it, make sure you can manage it. Handle your business. Yeah. Calm environment. Make sure everybody's making everybody. life around you good. <laughs> yes, everybody get down. Oh, yeah. That's my idea of a calm environment. <laughs> Everyone get down. Nobody move. Maybe no one will get hurt. That's the kind of guy who has, like, the mother and father are still doing things for them. They yeah. have a girlfriend doing stuff. A calm like, and, and, and quietly yeah. in the background. And just without asking. Yeah. Like, it's just done. My shirt's ironed. I got a promotion. Uh, I love this term, self-rule, which is like self-control. You have to have the self-rule. No, self-rule is a political term, I think. Yeah? <laughs> yes. Well, it says it's like self-control here. No. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not. Okay, but sure. And the last thing, you have to have skills. Mad skills Mad or just regular? Just skills. Is it with a Z or like? With an S, but the kind of skills that Napoleon Dynamite referred okay. to. <laughs> yes, skills. Yeah, so together these traits and opportunities can boost your vitality, mental toughness, and enjoyment of life. Like Voltron, they all come together to create one super men's health man. Yeah. <laughs> who's crushing. Who's crushing it. Who's kicking the ass of life. Who's who's grabbing life by the face, giving it a kiss, and then punting it across the street. Yeah. With a well-shod foot. And I love the picture that they have for this is um, the guy from Game of Thrones. Who Which was one? The... Uh, Khaleesi's husband. Really? That guy? Carl yeah. Drogo? Yeah. Him on the, Jimmy, on the Jimmy Fallon show with Jimmy Fallon in the background clasping his hands like, yay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the kind of guy. Really? That's the look. Like, this guy's crushing Okay, me. you know what? If every man's goal is to look like that guy, I say, y'all, go right ahead. Please mm-hmm. look like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone looks like, what's his name? Jason Mraz or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Jason Mraz? I, I think it's Mraz. No, that's like that little shrimpy singer. What's his name? I don't know what his name is. He's the he's like the. Don't be the shrimpy singer. I'm saying be that guy. Be Cal Drogo. Yeah. <laughs> be Cal Drogo. Yes. Oh, be. What did say? Be yourself. But if you can't be yourself, oh, be, be Cal, Cal Drogo. Yeah. Just do it. Um, <laughs> shrimpy guy. Don't be the shrimpy guy. I don't even, I'm not even sure who that is. Just wanted to follow up on my boy, Liam Neeson. We did a segment, or we attempted to last year, called New Year, New Neeson. Uh-huh. Neeson's got a lot of stuff going on. He's 66 and still holding it down. I thought he's, in my mind, he's been 66 the entire time. I know, I've right? been into him as a performer. Um, he's got a bunch of stuff coming up. He has the... He was never young. He, that's what I'm saying. He's always been 66 mm-hmm. in my mind. Uh, normal people. He's got. He's gonna. It's a romantic drama that's coming out. Uh, I think next year that revolves around the happily married couple Tom and Joan, whose love for each other is tested when the wife is diagnosed with breast cancer. If Liam Neeson is in this as the husband, the woman doesn't have a chance. That's right. <laughs> he is also right now in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is a Coen Brothers movie that has um, a bunch of vignettes in it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna check out just the Liam Neeson part. I don't have to watch the whole movie for that. He's also uh, Widows that came out. 
directed by Steve McQueen. It has in it... Liam Neeson plays one of the four dead husbands. Mm-hmm. I think he plays Viola Davis's dead husband. And the premise behind it seems like these guys were going to do a heist. And then he he died and his wife was like, I'll do it. <laughs> it's What is it? The widow's secession for a heist. For a heist. Um, That's because she knows. I'm also really excited about this. I'm like actually excited. He Liam Neeson is set to play Philip Marlowe. What? Yes, and Raymond uh, Raymond Chandler's the black eyed blonde. Oh, I can't. Wow. I love that character. I love, um, you know, I love Philip Marlowe. Love Raymond Chandler. So Liam Neeson would be a great private dick. Oh wow! <laughs> wow, just so, <laughs> he's also playing a um, Charlie Johnson in the Flames. It's a novel uh, that's been adapted to a film. He's going to be Charlie Johnson, a journalist who witnesses a crime and then decides to track down the culprit because Liam Neeson. Also, he's in Hard Powder, which is a remake of a film I really enjoy called In Order of Disappearance, which stars a Skarsgård, the older one. Oh, yes. Um, It's a dark comedy, so he's going to play it. And uh, good. Usually I'm against these Norwegian remakes because I just like the Norwegian mm-hmm. originals, but Liam Neeson, it's fine. I called him Eric Sarsgaard, but that was his name in um, True Blood. Stellan? Or Skeller? There's a bunch of them. This is yeah. the older one. Yeah. The one who was in Deep Blue Sea. Okay. Um, also, he's going to be in a Men in Black sequel. I'm there for that. Oh, my I God. like the original Men in Black. It's going to be Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, Emma Thompson, Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson, and Liam Neeson. Um... He is also going to be in a film written by Thomas Lennon and Robert Van Garant. These are two of the guys who are in Reno 911. Uh, it's called The Revenger. Mm. It says the plot is unknown, but I think I have an idea of what it's going to be about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, The Escapist. It's a film following a prisoner who plans to escape again. Liam Neeson, you can't hold him down. He will get out. He will find whatever it is that you is being try. looked for. You can try. And then he's going to be in a Spanish, uh, in a remake of a Spanish film called El Desconocido. Uh, it's called Retribution. The film follows a father who receives an anonymous phone call informing him that there is a bomb in his car. But because it's Liam Neeson, you know it won't go off. It can't go it can't off. Go, or, yeah, it's going to get go off as soon as he gets away. Yeah, because it's Liam Neeson. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the news in Neeson. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, we always want to know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping one day I will run into him into the, in the park because I know he likes to walk around Central Park. All right, well, so I'm going to have to figure it out. Yes, I think that it's, you're going to have to be strategic about it. Yeah, that. I'm going to have to figure out some kind of non romantic yeah. meat cute. Yes. <laughs> you should wear like a wolf shirt. <laughs> yes. And then be, he'll be like, oh my God. Yes. A wolf. A wolf. All right. Because he was in that movie. Oh, maybe I'll just go over to the t-shirt that says, like, I'm not taken. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. Okay, are you ready for our dramatic reading? I, oh. Okay. So we're we're performing a scene from Goodwill Hunting. It is the bar scene. It is the bar scene. And I play the part of Clark. I play the part of Will. Yes, and Clark is a Harvard snotty. Mm-hmm. And, and I am Matt Damon. Yes. Okay. The, the super janitor. smart janitor from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, who's not from a beautiful mind. Right. All and right. in this scene, Clark is with Minnie Driver. Okay. Ben Affleck tried to hit on her, and now... Matt Damon's coming in for a piece. Yes. All right. 
What a horrible character for that woman who yeah. has to deal with all these assholes <laughs> know, right. in real life and as characters. All right. So these guys are like, hey, we're going to have a problem. <clears throat> now I as Clark. Okay. There's no problem. I was just hoping you could give me some insight into the evolution of the market economy in the southern colonies. My contention is that prior to the Revolutionary War, the economic modalities, especially the southern colonies, could be aptly characterized as aggregate and pre-capital. Oh, of course, that's your contention. You're a first-year grad student. You just finished reading some Marxian history. Pete Garrison, probably. You're going to be convinced of that until next month when you get to James Lennon. Then you're going to be talking about how the economies of Virginia and Pennsylvania were entrepreneurial and capitalist way back to the 1740s. That's going to last until next year. You're going to be here regurgitating Gordon Wood, talking about, you know, the pre-revolutionary utopia and the capital form and effects of the military mobilization. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I won't because Wood drastically underestimates the impact oh, of Wood, the- Wood drastically underestim- underestimates the impact of social distinctions predicted upon wealth, especially inherited wealth. You got that from Vickers, work in Essex County, page 98, right? Yeah, I read that too. Were you going to plagiarize the whole thing for us? You have any thoughts of uh, your own on this matter? Or do, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then you pretend you pawn it off as your own? Your own idea, just to impress some girls and embarrass my friend? <laughs> well, see, the sad thing about a guy like you is in about 50 years, you're going to start doing something on your own, and you're going to come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life. One, don't do that. And two, you dropped 150 Grand on a fucking education you could have got for fifty dollar. Wait, wait, you could have got. Sorry, you dropped a hundred and fifty grand on a fucking education you could have got for a dollar fifty in late charges at the public library. Yeah, but I will have a degree, and you'll be serving my kids fries at a drive-through on our way up to a skiing trip. Yeah, maybe, but at least I won't be unoriginal. <laughs> that was my Boston accent. That was a fantastic. Was it? <laughs> Boston accent. <laughs> I don't know if I did the cl- got the right class. And that is Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Not bad on the dramatic. That was a cold breathing. I don't have the um, the training that Katie does. Yeah. <laughs> but I did sure. my best. So we had a segment called Joke After the Joke. Um, and this is something that people always bring up to me, and I've never really understood it was because I'm a libertarian. Uh, they People always say, well, what about roads? Or you libertarians really hate roads. I've never understood what this I joke I don't even know was. what that is. So basically, uh, because libertarians are known for wanting small government or mm-hmm. re- uh, reduced government, we're not anarchists. We don't say no government. But whenever you talk about how we'd like less government mm-hmm. and more, more people doing things for other people, people always say, well, but without government, who will build the roads? Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, so people always say that. So the joke actually is we're making fun of people who are not libertarian uh-huh. saying, what about my roads? Not the other way around. Okay. So the after the joke is, well, I mean, in reality, the government actually outsources the roads to private contractors who build it, and then they have some tolls or gas taxes or property taxes. So if the government didn't build the roads, guess what? Somebody else probably would because there's money in it. Yeah, exactly. The reason why the roads suck is because there's money in making the road, uh-huh. but there's no money in maintaining a nice road because you're going to use it anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's the the joke and after the joke. I always misunderstood that. I thought people were making fun of my political uh-huh. beliefs. It's actually us <laughs> making fun of other people's oh, God. political beliefs. Yeah. What, what about the roads? What about the roads? So the idea, and I always tell people because I lived in Eastern Europe, the government didn't build roads everywhere then. And you know who built the roads? People did. 
People wanted a road on their street, you know, they got in built. front of their house, and they went out and got the money together and got it built. Oh, boy. So there's the political joke after the joke, and I think now we are ready for the final rant. The final rant. Yeah. Yes, this was a, one of the very first things we did where we had an opinion and had a rant on it. Because it, it was a podcast, and we were like, well, you got a rant. Yeah, and then we debated it. So the yeah. topic that we are going to tackle today is who... Is the best Batman. Okay. Who is the best Batman? So, Katie, to okay. you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm ready for this one. I'm ready for this one. And that's a clue to who I think is the best Batman. Okay. So, there were several different Batmans. There was Louis G. Wilson. Who's Batman? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Louis G. Wilson, but uh, he was the youngest one, and he, he was chunky. And he had a Boston accent, and so nobody really, they, they got a lot of criticism. Yeah. And he was so chunky that he wore his belt really high. Oh, no! Like Grandpa Pam. Does Harvard have any more hamburgers? Yeah. Then Robert Lowry, he took over in 1949. hmm And he was, like, more of a trained actor, so he was a little better. He was more of a, less of an eater, more of an actor. Then came one Mr. Adam West for okay. the campy uh, television series. Is he your pick? He is my... I'll go through. Okay. Let me go through. Um, either you love him for the goofy charm or hate him for <laughs> the image that he gave to Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was... He was we one have the of same the article. most longest... What? We have the same okay. article. <laughs> then came Michael Keaton. Okay. Who was a surprise to yeah. everyone. A good contender for best Batman, but not in my uh, esteem. Yeah, he beat out other people such as Mel Gibson, Kevin Costner, Charlie Sheen, Pierce Brosnan, Tom Selleck, and Bill Murray. Really, Bill Murray? Oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I think they just had to have six people on the list. They're like, who, who, you any more white guys that can read for this? Is anyone over 5'8"? Mm. And then came Val Kilmer. Okay. Who was, uh, Forgettable. Temperamental. But also, he beat out... Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, who would have been a good choice, mm-hmm. Ralph Fine, mm-hmm. William Baldwin, and Johnny Depp. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Val Kilmer got it, although he was not that great. Uh, George Clooney was the next one. Mm-hmm. He, um, I like George Clooney, but he was not. Did you? I didn't even watch that one. That was, uh, it was terrible. And the, he was criticized because his bat suit had nipples. Okay. Yeah, they said it was gay. Yeah. Because, you know, nipples. <laughs> And then there was Christian Bale, mm-hmm. who was the darkest version yeah. of the Dark Knight. And then... And then Will Arnett. Yeah, Will Arnett. He did the uh, the anime, the Lego. He did the voiceover for it. Right. And then the Ben Affleck. Well. Okay. So out of all of those... Okay. My pick is one Mr. Adam West. Okay. And why so? I obviously disagree. Adam West. She's going to her notes. okay first of all adam west owned his characters both bruce wayne and batman he was complete campy as it may have been Mm -hmm. for that television series he had two distinct characters and he played them well uh he was suave and he didn't take himself seriously he sure didn't and neither do i (laughs) (laughs) he did not take himself seriously yeah you got it there and one of my rants that I have basically is about comics in general. With the okay. resurgence of the comic fandom and Comic-Con as a mainstream event, people get too caught up in the superhero world and they forget to be superheroes in real life. 
I agree. I like that. Is that your final rant? That's my rant. Okay, so I um I'm gonna choose for my for the best Batman, mm-hmm. it's clearly gonna be Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Number one, because Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Everything that Christian Bale does is better than anyone else who is not Christian Bale could ever do it. <laughs> Everything that he does is amazing and I love it. Uh, he also beat out so Adam West didn't beat out that many other great people mm-hmm. to be Batman, but Christian Bale beat out Billy Crudup, Jake Gyllenhaal, who I think would have made a really good Batman, because creepy. Uh, Joshua J- Jackson, don't know who that is, but I'm assuming he's not as good as Christian mm-hmm. Bale because he wasn't in the movie. And Cillian Murphy, who also could have done a really good job and then played other characters in mm-hmm. the Batman franchise. He was also in the Christopher Nolan version, which it was super dark, which I really appreciated. Um, and he used that really husky bad voice, mm-hmm. which a lot of people did not like, but he didn't care about the haters. Another mm-hmm. reason I like Christian Bale. He, in, in subsequent films, he made the voice even more gravelly mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where it was almost unrecognizable. But again, haters gonna hate, mm-hmm. right? Uh, also, when it was all over and done with, he said that he was not going to be in the role ever again, no matter how much money that they gave him. Because when Christian Bale does something, he does it 100%. There's no more to give. <laughs> he was tapped out. Um, and also, after The Dark Knight, unlike Adam West and Val Kilmer, and a lot of these people who have tried to bring Batman to uh, the screen, his career kept going afterwards. He's still working. And still uh, going strong. I, so, because he's B- Christian Bale, because he didn't care about the haters, he made a strong choice with that voice. That's unrecognizable. Because he gave up the role when he was finished, I think he didn't give it up. He closed it off. I mean, look what happened. Ben Affleck came I'm around it, sniffing around the sides. Uh, and then also his career kept on going. He's also Welsh. And that is why... Christian Bale is the best Batman. My rant is, why isn't Christian Bale doing more things? It is absolutely ridiculous that Hollywood has not recognized how exciting Christian Bale is. When he was filming in China, he got became interested in human rights and tried to fight his way into a prison to see what was going on because Christian Bale is the ultimate actor. Uh, He's not working hard enough because they're not letting him work enough. Okay. And that is my final rant. Why isn't there more Christian Bale? Okay. If you're not Christian Bale, step down. All right. I just want to add with my Adam West. Oh, you're had, coming back for a I'm rebuttal. Coming back for a rebuttal because okay. he is he had the most colorful costume. True. I give him the most colorful costume. He had the best sidekick. That was the best Robin. Okay. For Shirley. Yeah. Uh, then he uh, has the best villains. Three different cat women. And all. And his penguin was dapper. It wasn't some disgusting thing from the sewer. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't some filthy old freaking, sewer bird. His Batmobile was classic. I, I agree with you on all that. The only problem with Adam West is that he simply is not, has never been, and will never be Christian Bale. Uh, he recorded a pop song in character. Batman recorded a song to woo another character named Miranda, and the boy wonder kept interrupting him. True, true. Yeah. Okay. And that's, and I just say there are. He also did the voice. He did some voiceover work for Batman. And he did, he did Batman for the longest time. Yeah. So therefore, those are things I had to add. Yeah. I I mean, I appreciate that. He still uh, isn't, isn't Christian Bale. Yeah. And that's not how a debate is run, but I had to get in there. Oh, debate is run with me just saying, but, but my the person I picked is the person I picked, <laughs> and that's our final rant. Yeah. 
So we'd like to take this time to try to thank everybody who's with, been with us for uh, this the uh, previous 399 episodes oh going back eight years. And they are? They are Alexis Lambright, Ase Motoriz, Luke Ward, Greg Zenon, Skinny Bitch Jesus Meeting, Jeffrey Sweet, Amber Madison, Leah Bonima, Carlo DiCarlo, Lauren Mall, Nichelle Stevens, Marcy Courier, Evan Kay, Emily Epstein White, Scientist, Yale Cohen, Cinema Cinema, Joe Dell, Lauren G, Catherine Wing, Frank Angelini, Chrissy Meyer, Courtney W, Dr. Jackie Gunn, Jamie Rivera, Al C. Dawn from Funkadelic Studio, Eric Robinson, and Faith. Also, Cindy Lenti, Tara Teresa Hill, Uno Asado, Rebecca, Selena Kopek, Lori G, and, and Cole Hansen for being on our show as honored guests. We appreciate each and every one of you for saving us some time and having to come up with segments. And yes, <laughs> adding so much to our show yeah. and talking to our listeners And letting people know what we're doing and, and sharing all of the stuff that you are doing with us. We thank all of you. And we also want to thank the listeners. Yes. And everyone who sent in email and kudos over the years. Also, I want to thank my co-host, Katie Kazmier. And I want to thank Jaquetta, my co-host. Yeah, it has been an awesome ride, and we hope to see you guys in episode 401. We want to thank everybody in the podcast verse who supported us, The Black Eye Who Tips, Chonila, Operation Cubicle, Air Out My Shorts, ABC Gotham, But I Digress. And then just one more plug for Cinema Cinema for hooking us up with the music. Yes, for the intro, outro, and the segments. And also just for melting faces consistently. Melting faces and breaking hearts. Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes at stitcher.com and at heyyouknowit.com. Thanks. In the plural. And beefs. This is <laughs> beef. Beeves. I'm giving it beeves. Famous beeves. Plural. <laughs> beefs. Sounds worse that. to me. Famous beef. Beeves. <laughs> beefs. Beefs. Okay. The the buff famous. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>